Nach Yomi for the Orthodox Union, Sefer Yoshua, the book of Joshua, Perak Chaf, chapter 20. Rabbi Bini Marilis. In a very short chapter, the 20th chapter of the book of Joshua deals with the issue of the Ir Miklat, the city of refuge, well described and well discussed in the Torah, but here the establishment, finally, of the additional locations, the additional three cities in the land of Israel, in addition to the three cities that Moshe had already established, at least set aside, as described and discussed in the Torah. All the cities of refuge were cities of the Levium, Levite cities, given to them in the next chapter. And these are cities where people who killed someone unbeknownst or what's called Beshogeg are allowed to settle. And we'll see some of the details here uh, enumerated once again and delineated once again as they are in the Torah with some additional details. And the significance of telling us again about the Irmiklat here, at this point per se, obvious for practical reasons and in terms of the procedural order of events, it makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, there's more to it as well, as we discuss in the course of our discussions. We begin as follows. And God spoke to Yehoshua as follows. Significantly, it's worth pointing out that the word Vayidaber is unique here. It's not unique in the Torah, in the sense that it appears in many places, but it is unique in this location, in this place in the Torah. The Dats often writes as follows. Dibur hu b'chomakom lashon tzivui az v'takif. The language of Dibur, Dalit Bet Resh, is a language of tzivui, of command. It's a tough language. It's a stronger language. Mitzat ari miklat nishtanel Yehoshua le'achar shenemra b'torah b'lashon azah. The mitzvah of Irmiklat is repeated to Yoshua, although it has already been mentioned and, to- and discussed in the Torah at length. And it's mentioned to him with a language, with a strong language, that's based on the Gemara and Makos, the Daso from quotes. The Gon of Vilna says something similar, and he says as follows. By Gemara Makos, Dafir Aleph, and the Gemara and Masechah's Makos, on the 11th page, side A, Lama Pasach Blashon Oz, why does it come out and begin with a long, with a strong language? Because this is Torah, Perush, that is to say, Because we don't find anywhere else in the Nevi'im that, that God begins a discussion with the Prophet with the word Vayidaber. And it explains that it's because this discussion, Irmiklat, is Torah, meaning it's a mitzvah in the Torah. The Gra explains, Perush. Because the Torah itself writes it in that way, there, and so it describes it and discusses it again with a similar terminology that it was there. The Dat Sofram, in his explanation, goes a little bit further. 
And he explains a sort of a, much of what you would call a more spiritual significance to the discussion of Ir Miklat, which we'll get to in a moment. So what is the Ir Miklat? Says the text as follows. Verse 2, Pasuk Beis. Speak to the Jewish people as follows. Give to the people, give to them the cities of refuge, just like I spoke to and spoke and discussed with Moshe Rabbeinu. Who goes there? So verse 3 tells us who goes there. Who goes there? To run away to their Rotseach, someone who kills. Someone who kills Bishogeg, we'll explain all in a moment. And someone who kills Bivlidas. And it should be a place of ingathering, of refuge for them from a Goel Hadam, the blood redeemer. Let's explain what we're talking about. The Das Soferman, his explanation on the verse says as follows. It could simply have stated to us, It does not really require for us to repeat all the specifics of it. We know it's in the Torah. We know the explanation in the Torah. We know who's included in the Torah. Why is it here? So I'll take you back one, uh, a few sentences in the Das Soferman. He says as follows. The lengthy war the capturing of the land, had habituated and regulated the people to killing. Hafrashat areha miklat, the separation of the cities of refuge, al isur ba'ada. It's supposed to serve as a warning on the prohibition of harming people. And the punishment that is warranted, that is meted out to somebody who kills Bishogeg out of ignorance, for lack of a better term. And so too with respect to the obligation to hold back or to avoid the blood redeemer. What happens in these cases in general is a discussion with respect to Shogeg and ignorance is somebody who kills without intent. No intent to kill didn't know perhaps that it was prohibited to kill, didn't know that the act that he was about to commit would be an act of murder, would be an act of killing that would take somebody's life. Says the Dasofer, from a spiritual sense, the Jewish people had been so regulated and so habituated to murder and to killing through the course of the war that perhaps they become desensitized to it. It's something that we see in other places in Torah, the same idea, of re-emphasizing and reinstituting and renewing the notion of the sanctity of life in the aftermath of these moments in these wars and these battles. It's not our way, it's not our path, it's not who we are as a people. And it's significant to constantly remind us that life is precious and life is meaningful and life is valuable, regardless of whose life it is. And even though in the course of taking the land there's a requirement of eradicating these nations, nonetheless, that's not our way. And the Torah and the Nevi'im are concerned that we become desensitized to the human value, the value of life. So the notion of the Yermiklat is to the, the, the warranting 
a warning to people with respect to taking anyone's life, no matter what way, no matter how, and how severe and how serious that is. We also have in our discussion someone who's done what's, what's called Belidas. Belidas, the Das often explains, again based on the Gemara and Makos, without intent, without knowledge, means that they perhaps intended to kill an animal. And in fact, the result was they killed a person. A Rotseach is the first one mentioned. Rotseach is someone who murders with intent. If there is the possibility of their life being taken as well as in response, so they too are allowed to run to near Miklat until matters are clarified. Again, all based on the Gemara and Makos. Even a Rotseach B'meizid, someone who does it with intent, can run to near Miklat. Ultimately, they'll end up in a basin, and they'll end up in court, they'll end up being judged, and perhaps end up being punished with death. But nonetheless, they're given the opportunity to run there, not to be killed by the Goel Adam. Who is the Goel Adam? The Goel Adam, the blood redeemer, literally, is the relative of the person, of the victim. And the Torah allows for the person, the relative, to seek revenge to seek it from the blood of the accused. Nonetheless, it's very important to point out as well, quoting again the Dasso from here, Gulas Adam redeeming the blood of the victim is in fact murder. Ella, but a murderer of this sort one cannot bring to judgment. Because the person does it out of angry knowledge. Their mind is in a certain way. Their mind frame, the frame of thinking is impacted by virtue of the death of a relative. And they are filled with vengeance. In the footnote there, the Das Sofram says, HaKosuv Omer, the Pasuk says, V'lo ein mishpat maves. He does not have a judgment of death, which he continues. We can't obligate him death. But it does not say that he does something that's permitted. And one should consider looking in Hilchos and the Rambam in Hilchos Rotseach. We can discuss it there further. Anyway, essentially, even though something is allowed, doesn't mean it's per, that is permitted, doesn't mean it's something that we can do we should go about doing or, 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 or consenting to. So we have these cities set aside, and the text continues, and now we get some interesting detail. And the person, the murderer, runs to one of these cities, and he gets to the gates of the city that he has run to, then he speaks to the elders of the city his words. It's almost as if there's like a bureau, an office. You want to call it like immigration, right? An immigration office for uh, murderers at the entrance to the cities. And he has to explain to these people what he's doing there and how it was that it came to be bishoge, that it was not intended, that it was not done with uh, full-on intent. The asfu also ha'ira alehem, 
So they would listen to what he had to say. They would gather the person into the city, literally. They would give him a place to stay, and he would be with them until it was clarified. It's pointed out as well from the Gemara. They give him a place to stay. The Datsov from quoting the Gemara. They give him a place to stay free. They don't charge him. He can do all that he needs to do, whatever he needs to accomplish, whatever he needs to take care of, he can do there in the city without paying. Fascinating. You know, here it is, the person is essentially admitting in some level that he committed an act of murder, albeit he does it without intent. He comes to a city of refuge, a city of Levium, a city of holy people, and they let him stay for nothing. It's an amazing set of events that's worthy of a greater study with respect to the cities of refuge, what the intent was, what the desire was, what Akadosh Baruch Hu was thinking in the establishment of these cities, what the idea was for them. So they would clarify the deen. Verse 5, And if the Goel Adam, the Redeemer, would run after, would pursue after him to that city, they would not hand over the person to the to the relative. They would be helping out the murderer. Because he did so without intent. He did do something, but he did it without intent. He's not a hater. doesn't have any sort of angst or, or negative feelings towards the person was not done with intent, was not done with, with kavana in such a way. And he would sit in that place and be in that city until he stands before the court. Rashi explains, Imi pater mi galus, pater, so if it was found to be that he could not have Golos as his punishment, right? That he could not stay in a city of exile, a city of refuge. So then, finished, gone. If he's a murderer, Retzach b'mezid, if he's done it with intent, b'kavana, the highest level form, so then they would take him out, or they would punish him, they would give him Misa. But if it's found that he does deserve Golos, that in fact his punishment is to remain in the city of refuge, so then he would be in the city of refuge until, as the verse continues, Admos HaKohen Gadol. Until the death of the Kohen Gadol. Ashia Yehiyah Whoever that Kohen Gadol is, whatever the status of that Kohen Gadol is, no matter how high a level or how low a level that Kohen Gadol may be, until the death of that individual, the person remains in the city of refuge. And at that point, he returns home. So if he remains in the city, it could be one day, it could be five years, it could be 20 years. Until the death of the Kohen Gadol, at that point, he returns home. He returns to his city, he returns to his family, he returns to his home where he is from. So we get into some additional details with respect to the Yermiklat, the full-on discussion of Yermiklat, 
ayin in the Torah, look into the sections in the Torah that discuss it, beyond the scope of this shear in this lecture. What are the cities and where are the cities? Vayakdishu es kedesh bagalil behind Naftali. In Zion, in verse 7, so they established the city of Kedesh in Naphtali. Remember where Naphtali is. Naphtali is well to the north in the land of Israel. Central east is where he is. Ves Shrem, Beharifrad. The city of Shrem is near Miklat. Ves Kiryat Arba Hechevron, Behar Yehuda. And the city of Kiryat Arba Hechevron in Yehuda. If one were to look on a map, they're literally in a direct line almost exactly a direct line, one above the other, starting in the north from Kedesh to Shechem to Chavrod. And they match parallel to the three cities that are on Ever Hayardin Mizrach, that are on the eastern side of the, uh, of the river in the lands, in the areas of, uh, of Ruven Gad and Chatzishevet Menashe. Me'ever Liyardin, as we now see in verse Ches, Me'ever Liyardin, Yericho Mizracha, Nasu, Betzer, Bamidbar, Mishur, Materu, Uvein. Ruvain was uh, <clears throat> in the south. Vesramot Gilad Mate Gad, right? And the place Ramot Gilad in, in, in the lands of God. God was in the middle. Ves Golan Babashan Mate Menashe. And the place called Golan in the areas of Bashan for Menashe. So you have um, six total cities of refuge. And then what we'll see in the next parak is that all of the cities of Levium around the country and ultimately as well serve as places of refuge as well. But these are the six main ones. And verse 9 finishes out the chapter. Eila hayu arei ha-mu'ada Yisrael. Mu'ada, the Mitsuda explains, a place of kibbutz, a place of isuf, a place where people would gather. We'll not be punished. Um, we'll not be punished until a person stood before before the court, and that finishes it out. Now, from a separate perspective, um, besides what it is that the Das Sofer mentioned earlier with respect to the idea of resensitizing people to the notion of murder and death and killing and the sanctity of life. I think also there are possibly two other factors that are very key here. Again, it uh, finishes out the process started by Moshe Rabbeinu all those years ago in the Midbar, and that's significant, that we have the completion and the follow-through of what Moshe Rabbeinu started many years before. Moshe Rabbeinu essentially in establishing the initial cities of uh, Irmiklat is beginning the process of uh, Yishuv Haaretz, of the establishment of the Jewish people in their land, and here, Yoshua is attempting to complete that process by establishing the remaining cities. The mitzvah started by Moshe, the mitzvah finished by Yehoshua. So that's follow-through, that's completing the circle, that's completing the task established. At the same time, the establishment of Arimiklat moves the Jewish people along in the process of establishing their government and their rule of law in the land. The Arimiklats serve as a place of refuge, but essentially that place of refuge hinges on uh, a system of law and a system based in courts in place. And that's significant as well. That the Jewish people now are moving into a new mode, essentially, where we talk about kibush and capturing land 
and putting the tribes in their locations, now we're establishing some level of law and some level of order in these locations as well by establishing these centralized locations um, where people who have done something wrong can go and be and exist without concern necessarily that they're going to be in danger once they've entered that location. These are secure locations. These are holy places. These are places where the rule of law reigns. And we're moving in the direction as we continue to establish. Here we establish cities of refuge for those that have done wrong. And we establish locations where we have zakanim, we have elders, we have courts in place to judge. We talk about courts being in place to judge these individuals with respect to their actions. In the next chapter, chapter 21, Chaf Aleph, we'll see the establishment of the cities of the spiritual centers for the different tribes. Um, obviously, we've talked about Shiloh. We talked earlier about Gilgal. And in 21, tomorrow's chapter, we'll talk about the cities for the Levium, the tribe of Levi, scattered throughout the lands and the territory that essentially will serve in some manner as a spiritual center. So here we talk about a religious center in Shiloh previously. Now we talk about perhaps legal centers in some capacity. And the next chapter, we're talking about spiritual centers. So the land is being established and is being apportioned in a manner that is organized, in a way that was to set the Jewish people up as they go forward with respect to their government, with respect to their religion, with respect to Torah and mitzvahs. We continue tomorrow with Perak Chafalev, chapter 21.